introducing us to a new series that we're doing. And it's called Partners in Mission. And so over the next however many weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. And so this is just an introduction. And hopefully that phrase, Partners in Mission, isn't completely alien um, to us. Because we've recently launched our belonging course. We've run it twice now. And the response to that is to become a mission partner. And so why do we choose the word mission partner instead of member, I guess, which seems like the m most obvious next thing to call it? But we believe that every single person who's given their life to Jesus belongs in the church of God. Every single person is part of his body, is part of his family. But what we call things and when we give language to things, it really impacts how we think and how we view those things. I know we used to say making our membership count because, as we all know, you can have a membership, for example, to a gym, never actually use it. And so your membership doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really do anything. We um, signed up for um, the National Trust, and if I'm really honest, our heart's intention wasn't because we wanted to support and maintain all the beautiful parks and buildings and coastline, it was to get free parking. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> but then we hardly ever used it, because everywhere we went, we still had to pay, but it was like discounted anyway. <laughs> But we can have a membership and we can have a bumper sticker on our car or whatever it is that it still doesn't really mean anything. And so to be a part of God's family and a part of God's kingdom means to join him in his mission in bringing his kingdom here to earth. That's what it means. And that is why we've called it partners in mission, mission partners. When you join a sports team, I used to play basketball when I was in uni, and when you come onto the team, of course there's community, of course there's camaraderie, of course we get along, we look after each other's needs, of course, but the main reason we are together on that team is to win games, come on. That's why we're on the team. Team members come together with a knowledge and a focus of this is the purpose of why we were put together. And actually, adversity is a much better joining that um, much better at joining people together than comfort is when you go through hard times together it's a much better way of bringing people together and focusing them on the mission that is at hand than comfort is this is why the persecuted church in the world is the fastest growing church because they're in the face of adversity day in, day out. When we come against the challenge as a team, we come together to reach the goal. And that is what joins us together. When we look back on our journey, we think, wow, we made it through that. That's what we went through. And that's what knits us together. Not so much comfort. Because if we're really honest, comfort makes us lazy. Comfort reminds us that I don't really need anybody else because I'm good. I'm okay by myself. But when we remember why God has called us together, the mission that is at hand, because in Matthew 28, before he ascended to heaven, verse 18, he said, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. He didn't say go and have a comfortable time, go and have fun. He said go and make disciples. 
and it's not going to be easy, but know that I am with you till the very end of the age. This is the mission. This is what we have been called it to partner together in and to partner with God in. That is our mission if we so choose to accept it. The mission of God is to go and make disciples of all nations. But then Jesus said to them, this is the how. He said to them to wait <laughs> until they'd receive power from high. So if you have a Bible, it, it should come up on the screen. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And from verse 4 it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The only way we are effective in our witness, in our partnering with Jesus to extend his kingdom is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is not just a story for the early church. It's not just a historical thing that we view and say that was a lovely, wonderful thing that happened. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, our expectation must be that we are those who bring about the kingdom, not in words, because the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but about power. That is how we bring about the kingdom. That is how, that's always been the way. Jesus came and he went around healing the sick. He went from synagogue to synagogue, preaching the gospel and casting out demons. It was the demonstration of the power of God that changed people's lives. And sometimes our expectation can be that was great for then, but maybe not for now. And I'll do some nice things and I'll be friendly. But it is not enough because friendliness does not change people's insights. Yes, it opens up the door, but it's the power of God that changes people's lives, that breaks generational cycles, that pulls people out of poverty, that pulls them out of addiction, that pulls them out of sinful ways of living, that sets them free, that opens their eyes to see that Jesus Christ truly is king and he's the only one who can save them. It is the power of God and the power of God is available to us right here, right now, today because Jesus said, I will go to my father but I will send you a helper. And this period we're in right now, we just had Easter a couple of weeks ago. This is the period the disciples were in. They were waiting. They were waiting. They were praying for the power of God to come. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. We read in Acts chapter 2. He came and he fell upon them because he said he would come. And they waited and he came. They expected him to come and he came. And 3,000 people. 3,000 people were added to the church that very day because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of words. It's the power of God. Acts chapter 4, because it wasn't a one-time thing. We preach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't a one-time thing. It's not. 
Because again, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, this is what had happened. Peter and John were walking to pray in the previous chapter. Um, they're going to the synagogue, the temple to pray. They see a lame man. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Just on their way. They weren't planning it. Just along their way. Just healing people. Just along the way. Just normal occurrence for them. And then the Sanhedrin and the religious people get all upset. And in whose name are you doing this? They're causing uproar. <laughs> the kingdom of God is disruptive. The kingdom of God does not come in and fit into the ways of the world and keeps it all happy. Jesus came, I said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. That's what he said. He said, I didn't come to keep the peace. I came to disrupt the way of the world because the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. And so they came and they caused disruption. It was said of the disciples, oh gosh, they're here, the ones who are turning the world upside down. We are supposed to turn the world upside down. That is what he's called us to do. Because the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It looks nothing like the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't look like it. It looks completely different. We're supposed to look completely different. And so the Sanhedrin calls them, what are you doing in whose name? What's going on? We don't like this. And they lock them up and they persecute them. And this is what the believers pray after they've been released. They don't pray, oh God, please let us not be persecuted for our faith again. Let us not be locked up for telling the truth. Just keep us safe while we preach the gospel. Jesus, just help us not to like, cause any trouble. They prayed in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. After they faced persecution, they asked the Holy Spirit for boldness to go and do it even more. And not just to speak the word of God, but that they would perform signs and wonders and miracles through the name of Jesus. Family, we need the power of God. We're not called to debate about who he is or try and explain who he is. We are called to demonstrate the kingdom. First Peter chapter 2. Jesus hasn't called us to do this on our own. In 1 Peter chapter 2, from verse 4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones. Living stones. Not rigid, living, moving, fluid, growing, changing. Are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to you who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which, al which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Living stones. I sometimes think of this like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, stone nowadays, the stones are, or building blocks are factory made and they all kind of look the same. But that's not the kind of building blocks Jesus is talking about. He's talking about living stones that look different. They're shaped differently, but he has a way of placing the right stone next to the other stone to make this incredible building that is alive, that hosts the presence of God. And that is who we are. We host the spirit of God. He's chosen to dwell here in the earth. In the Old Testament, it was in a tabernacle, which they moved from place to place, and then a temple, which was more permanent, and then that got knocked down and Jesus came and said, I'm greater than the temple. And now he pours his spirit into us so we can be the temple of God, hosting the power and presence of the spirit. He died, his body was broken so we could host the presence of the spirit. I really, 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 really believe God wants us to get our focus back to the power of the spirit of God to have an expectation, right? An expectation that when we are together, whether it's two or three or here, wherever it is, that his presence and power will be there to change us. That when we say we're not gonna leave here the same, it's not because we did something special, but it's because we allowed him to move in and through us. That when people walk through those doors, they go out in their right mind because the power of God has changed them, has healed them, has set them free. People come in with heavy hearts, they go out light. They come in with sickness, they go out healed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is the mission that he's called us to be partners in. It's just not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, Romans, not Romans, 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 12 that, you know, the body has different members. The hand cannot say to the leg, I don't need you. The leg says to the, you know, the nose can't just be a nose on its own because then it's just a nose, it's not a body. And God hasn't called body parts. He's called us to be the body. Everyone is so different, so different. But that's right. That's the way God has purposed and ordained it to be. And when, when each and every single one of us allows the Holy Spirit, completely surrenders to him to allow him to move and work through us the way he created us to, it works. It fits. Let me tell you, you are more yourself when you're walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Seriously. 
sometimes we struggle, what's my, what do I do? I don't know, I'm trying to figure out who I am, what's my style, what's my, just allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you will be fully yourself. When the Holy Spirit is fully at work in you, you will be fully yourself. Just try it. Just keep pressing in and you will discover things about yourself because many times we, 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 we can see ourselves through the lens of ourselves and our flaws and our mistakes and the things we've done and haven't done. That is not the way God sees us. And so when we come to the scripture and it says, these are the signs that will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. They will pick up snakes and not be harmed. They will drink deadly poison and not die. We're like, okay, that's great. But I know who I am and I'm just, this, I don't think I could really do that. The Bible says that when it talks of Gideon, Gideon was hiding in a cave, like not a cave, in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, mighty man of valor. He's like, who are you talking to? I'm hiding. Like, I'm, hi I'm scared. The angel of the Lord is like, I know who you are. I know who you are because I see you through the lens that God sees you through. And so when the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit wore him like a glove. That's what it says. That's what it means to be empowered. The Holy Spirit wore him like a glove and did what he wanted to do through him. And he became who God already saw and knew him to be because the Holy Spirit empowered him. When you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, will be more yourself than you know. And we will no longer count ourselves out and say, I couldn't do that. Because you're right, you can't. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's available for each and every single one of us. I have known in my own life and seen people's lives changed in an instant where maybe we spend hours trying to figure stuff. And I'm not saying we don't journey with people. But what I am saying is the power of God has the ability to do what our words or logic cannot do. And if we would only rely and ask him, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do? Show up in your power. Show up in this situation in a way that only you can. I believe we will live in the days we read about in Scripture. They're not just glory days. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we can see people healed, set free. We can see ourselves healed, set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by our own wisdom not by our own words, not by our own understanding. And so that's the mission. And over the next however many weeks, we're going to be talking about the different facets of that, and there's so much involved in it. But just to, to frame and kick us off, even as we listen to everything else that all the amazing people will come and bring, we partner with him by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own, not in our own limited way of thinking because we are so limited in our thinking so limited we couldn't have a child for seven years seven years and medical interventions didn't cut it we experienced the power of God I kid you not, two months later we were pregnant. I know the power of God can make the impossible possible. And we decided to name her Jesutishi. That means, we named her before she was born. That means Jesus has done it. Because we knew every time we look at that girl, 
<laughs> it reminds me of the power of God. Jesus has done it. He will continue to do it. I have known his power. And the thing is, it's great that we shared testimonies this morning because testimony is so powerful because it prophesies and declares what God has done and what he will do. So I choose to never let go of what I have seen him do. I cannot afford after I've seen him move in power, to now depend again on my flesh. It's like Paul says to the Galatians, who bewitched you? You started off in the power of the spirit and now you're trying to use your own mind and logic. No, no, I was saved by the spirit of God. I conceived by the spirit of God. Even when she was about to give birth, she nearly died. But again, the power of God saved her. He saved her because this child was born for signs and wonders. That child's going to raise the dead. That child's going to heal the sick. And I pray that over her all the time because I'm like, you are meant to be here. Not by my power, not by anyone's power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've had disappointments, but I've seen him move. I've seen him move in power. And I believe that same God wants to continue to move in power in the small, small things and in the big, big things. So why don't we pray together? Let's, let's stand up on our feet. Because this whole infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-off thing. And, and I just want to invite you, because this is a matter of, of, of pressing into what God wants to do. It's not a matter of you have to. But if you, if there's something inside of you that is saying, Lord Jesus, I need your power. I need your power. I just want you to lift your hands and just begin to ask him. Just begin to ask him yourself because he wants to pour it out. So just begin to ask him because he's here and he wants to empower and baptize us afresh. He is the baptizer. That's what the Bible says. He is the baptizer. Thank you, Jesus. 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 And if you can, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Because praying in the Spirit, it says it stirs up our most holy faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, kiara da ta tai ko soria da ta. Kiala la tutto shanama. Jesus, we know that it's not by might or by power. But it's by your spirit. We know that. But Jesus, we ask you to help us to really know that. Because when the spirit of God is at work, there is an ease we're not striving, we're not straining, we're simply yielding. So Father, we ask you to come now and baptize us afresh in your power, whether it's for the first time or the 50th time. Come and baptize us afresh in your power. Fill us again, Lord Jesus.
as only you can. Fill us again, Lord Jesus. That we'd see your kingdom come and your will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, that when we see impossible situations, we won't look to ourselves, we look to you. The same God who did it before will do it again. Thank you for resurrection power, Lord Jesus. And God, we pray that as a community, you would continue to knit us together, living stones, different shapes and sizes, different giftings that are meant to come together in a unique way allow your spirit to move and change the landscape of this area that your anointing would be in every conversation in every barbecue that there would be an an expectation that we won't just have good physical food but people will come to the bread of life the bread of life that will change them forever and satisfy them forever Jesus So we surrender afresh, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would clothe us, that you'd wear us like a glove, that we wouldn't limit you, and that we wouldn't focus so much on ourselves that we miss out on what you're doing. Sometimes we can be so wrapped up in our ability or our gifts and our talents that we forget or that all we need to do is yield and surrender. So, Jesus, we surrender fresh. God, I just want to pray for our kids and our youth, because this is for them too. There is no junior Holy Spirit. We pray that you would fill them afresh, Lord Jesus. That they, when they, they speak to their friends, when they pray for their friends, that they would see miracles happening left, right, and center. Oh, God, would you raise up an army in this next generation? who know you. Your word says that you will know, if you know your God, you will do great things. So I pray that they will know you that they may do great things. But for each and every single one of us, fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, we receive you right now, Jesus. We receive you right now. We receive you, Jesus. Oh, we receive, Jesus. We just receive. Come and have your way, Jesus. And let there forever be a holy expectation for you to live. In Jesus' name.